Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Straight ahead on The Insiders, Senator Joni Ernst talks publicly about how she said her ex-husband abused her while they were married. She also talks about how someone raped her while she was an Iowa State student. Our insiders will weigh in on how public officials confront these private matters these days. Plus, J.D. Shulton's announcement was that he is not running for office again, at least not yet. Instead, hear how he and some other Democrats plan to help Iowans who are not doing much better during this long economic recovery. And in the Insider's Quick Six, the top 2020 Iowa caucus contenders. Good morning. Senator Ernst's private life has become public following her divorce. She said in court documents that her husband cheated on her and assaulted her. Cityview first published the details of the court records before they were sealed. Those detailed the allegations. Then during a subsequent interview with Bloomberg News, uh, she talked about her alleged abuse that she talked about that she suffered in her marriage, but she also revealed that a man she knew had raped her while she was a student at Iowa State years ago. She has never before spoken publicly about that assault. She didn't expect details of her divorce to become public, she said, but those documents did go public for a while until a judge sealed them at the Ernst request. The senator got emotional talking about the impact of people now knowing what she says happened to her when she was married. It's very hard for me to talk about my own situation again. I was not ready to talk about my situation. And unfortunately, um, my personal life is now out for everybody to see. Um, so I will always continue to work with survivors and provide them the best possible resources I can. An issue that I'm very passionate about, and especially um, now that I am serving on the Judiciary Committee, which is, is really important, this is the first Congress that I've served on it, is to get the Violence Against Women Act reauthorized. Um, we have to modernize it. We have to reauthorize it. It was allowed to expire last fall, and that shouldn't happen. Can you or... Will you try to take legal action against these, these, these unsealing of these documents, or was that illegal? It was not illegal. It was not illegal. I would love to point the finger. I would love to point the finger and say, somebody screwed up, somebody leaked, but they're out there. And so now I will deal with that. But what I want people to understand is that I am the same person as I was last week. You just know more about what's inside of me now. Let's bring in our insiders this week. Jerry Crawford's an insider's original Des Moines attorney, longtime Democratic political advisor. Dave? With his goatee. <laughs> Welcome back. Patty Judge is Iowa's former Democratic lieutenant governor. Now she leads the nonprofit organization Focus on Rural America. Good morning to Good you morning, as well. Dave. Lieutenant Governor, can we talk, uh, begin this with you? Listening to what Senator Ernst was talking about, uh, you know, obviously Jerry probably as an attorney can talk about whether there was a mistake here on Ernst's legal side that these documents should have been sealed in the first place or that request should have happened. But having said that, this is all out in the per public purview. The senator's decision 
to talk publicly about the rape that she said she endured when she was a college student. This is just one of so many prominent women who are now feeling empowered to go forward talking about this. What is going on? Well, I think uh, women are feeling more empowered uh, in not only to, to talk about uh, uh, the uh, times that they may have been uh, abused or uh, uh, discriminated against. They're feeling uh, much bolder about that. And uh, certainly my thoughts uh, about Senator Ernst, um, I, I hope that uh, she uh, recovers from from this trauma that she's uh, that she has uh, experienced this this week, um, it shouldn't define her or her body of work, uh, and and I hope that it does not. I think I have uh, plenty of room to uh, criticize her uh, on some of the positions she's taken, the votes that she's taken, her actions or inactions. Uh, but uh, but not this one. This this should be private. Uh, Jerry, I saw some snark on uh, social media from Democratic activists who came after Ernst because of some of the allegations that her husband had made, saying that she had been unfaithful, and the senator has denied this. Uh, Claire Selsey, the Des Moines State Senator, uh, though chastised Democrats and warned them, do not do this. Claire Selsey's right. Mm -hmm. um, th th that's just absurd for somebody to weigh in. You know, Everyone has a private life. Uh, marriages are tough. Uh, obviously, this was a tough marriage. Um, and that's their private business. And I couldn't agree more with the lieutenant governor. There are plenty of reasons to take exception to Senator Ernst's continued service three years from now um, than what has is, what is come out. So I agree with what Senator Ernst said about this, and I agree with what the lieutenant uh, governor Let's uh, uncomfortably segue to her reelection next year. Who are the Democrats we should be watching? I think uh, everybody that I've talked to has Tom Vilsack on top of their list, um, but I haven't heard him say that he's he going to do it. it. Yeah, exactly right. Um, uh, I think that the two most likely uh, candidates, if he doesn't run, are Cindy Axney and Rita Hart. Cindy Axney, the newly elected congresswoman from the third, uh, Rita Hart, who was and Fred she's getting pressure from D.C. to do just that, correct? Yeah. Well, the DSCC has discovered that, uh, like in Nevada this last cycle, when Congresswoman Rosen ran for the Senate after one two-year term and won, um, that that maybe is a pretty good model. Um, so I think um, I, I think Axney, you know, is having that conversation. I'm sure she's having that conversation. And, and it's not too soon. It's too soon to get started. It's not too soon to be trying to decide what's next in your life. I, I would guess, I haven't spoken to her about this, I would guess that Cindy Axney and, for that matter, Rita Hart, are waiting to see what Tom Vilsack does. Lieutenant Governor. Well, I, I agree with Jerry. Um, I, I think there may be more people uh, than the ones that have been mentioned here that are uh, thinking about And we've heard uh, Teresa Greenfield, yes, Eddie yeah, Morrow. Right. I mean, there's several people. Um, I would hope that whoever runs understands that uh, they have got to campaign over this entire state and uh, takes a good look at, uh, at our last election and uh, can learn some lessons from that. Uh, to me, the ideal candidate is one that appeals uh, here in Des Moines and also appeals in Albia. Uh, we need to very quickly talk about J.D. Shelton. He announced, some had speculated, is he going to run against Steve King? Is he going to run against Joni Ernst? 
it was neither, at least for now. He's going to be the state director for this nonprofit, WorkingHeroIowa.org. It's to help Iowans collect their earned income tax credits for which they would qualify. Um, how much will Democrats get behind this effort? I don't know. Of course, this, we just heard this yesterday, sure. and, and this is kind of a, a head-scratcher to me. I, I tried to uh, uh, read as much as I could about what he's doing and, and this organization last night, but uh, uh, I'm not sure. Um, I certainly believe that earned income tax credit is important and is a financial stabilizer to uh, many, many families across the state. but. How much uh, uh, excitement uh, you generate talking about income tax, I'm not sure. Uh, Dave, we got to hit a break here. Sorry, hold your thought. I, I've left you out of the Senate. Anyway, you're running for Senate again? No. Okay. <laughs> your husband just took a big sigh. All right, one thing you are part of is this focus on rural Iowa. Uh, that's obviously been a weakness for your party in the rural part of our state. So when we come back, we're going to talk about that and whether the lieutenant governor can get some of these 2020 folks to get behind this effort and actually listen to what she's. Lieutenant Governor Patty Judge has been part of this focus on rural America. I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a while. You really started this in 17 with some of your leftover Senate money, right, from your campaign? That's right. I had a little money left uh, in the campaign fund and uh, used that to uh, start a, a nonprofit uh, called Focus on Rural America. And you did research, and one of the things that was really interesting was you talked to folks who voted for Obama and Trump, and you know, you look at those numbers and they were sizable, probably surprising yes. how many people yes. actually did that. So now that we're almost year and a half, whatever, later here, how do you use this knowledge going forward when you have all these 2020 folks Well, we, we did find out really fascinating things about uh, the, the voters in the 16 election and uh, why they uh, chose uh, to vote for Donald Trump when they had been uh, Democratic voters uh, for the last eight years before that. Um, as we go forward, we're, we have been trying to talk to people uh, coming to the state, which, uh, you know, lots and lots of folks think they want to be president right now. And uh, we try to talk to them about some of the things we've learned. We've continued to do some polling and some focus group work since that time. And uh, uh, so we do have some good information to share with uh, people uh, that would like to be president. Like right now? Like would you now. like to share any of that right now? Well, <laughs> are uh, they still in the works? <laughs> there is some that is in the that is in public now, and you know we're glad to share it with you anytime. Dave. Give me a headline. A headline today. Well, people's minds have not changed. Uh, they are still looking for the same things. Uh, people in rural Iowa believe that they got left behind. Uh, they do not have good jobs. They uh, are struggling to to make ends meet, and uh, and they're mad. Yeah, uh, Jerry, excuse me. Uh, Jerry, we'll get into 2020 in the next segment, though. Uh, you were part of Hillary Clinton's effort here, and she really struggled connecting in rural Iowa. What do you think the party learned from what went wrong? Uh, I, think th I think the lesson uh, is the same as the answer to the Obama voter who turned around and voted for Trump. Those are all angry voters. Um, and that's the whole mm -hmm. left feel, mm -hmm. feel like they've been left behind. If people want to get a really good insight into this, watch the HBO documentary Brexit 
which is on right now, yeah. and watch the live focus group that they mm -hmm. filmed. I mean, this is not fiction. This, these are real people. And there's a woman who speaks up in that focus group that is just like the voters Patty's talking about. All right, when we come back here, we're going to talk about 2020 and all these presidential candidates. I just got this thing in the mail here, so ah. this is a hint about who is uh, making some more uh, more moves. And Lieutenant Governor got a little one-on-one -on -one time with uh, one of our recent visitors, too. We'll talk about all that and more next. All right, little one-on-one -on -one time for one of our guests this week, New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. She's on the left. I think we recognize who's on the right there. Uh, can you share what you talked to the good senator about? Well, uh, I have uh, spent some time this cold winter trying to uh, talk to uh, all of the folks that have been passing through the state and uh, had a, a brief but friendly conversation with Kirsten Gillibrand the other night. Uh, again, uh, I think if uh, people want to be competitive in Iowa, they have to understand that uh, they have to campaign uh, all over the state and uh, they particularly have to reach out to uh, the rural voters. And so that, that was my uh, very quick, brief message uh, to uh, the senator, but I hope that that will be one of several. Jerry, will the activists, perhaps those on the on the left side here especially, will they forgive her for her previous stances on immigration, on guns? If yes, the short answer is yes. If they believe that she's genuine, yeah, uh, authentic is sort of the word of the day uh, when when evaluating all these presidential candidates. Uh, what are you saying? What uh, Pete Buttigieg as is. Um, He's in the exploring phase here, has a pack. Yeah, so I had to make a, I had to bring notes today because <laughs> yeah, I, I can't keep track. This, I can't, can't, can't keep track. I have three categories. Okay. I have the front runners, okay. the second tier, and the long shots. Okay. Uh, the front runners, according to the polls that you've seen, uh, Vice President Biden, who has many friends in Iowa, Bernie Sanders, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, um, you know, they've all gotten, got some assets that help them be there, sure. including name identification, most especially. Mm -hmm. The second tier, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Terry McAuliffe, Sherrod Brown, Michael Bloomberg would be my sort of second tier. And then you've got a, you've got a bushel basket full of long shots, some of whom are Steve Bullock, Amy Klobuchar, Governor Hickenlooper, Eric Garcetti, John Delaney, whose campaign's being run by an Iowan, John Davis. Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, Castro, Pete Buttigieg, 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 Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Um, so that's sort of how it breaks out right now. Uh, spoiler alert, the winner of the Iowa caucuses doesn't very often come from the early list of frontrunners. Mm -hmm. How would it be wise with that expansive list for both of you? Does it make sense this cycle? So in 16, Republicans had Trump. Trump would say something, and the media would generally rush to the other 16 and say, hey, did you hear this? What do you think? Trump dominated the coverage. At least as we sit here now, there doesn't feel like a Trump-like person on the Democratic side. Would it be wise for these folks to really embrace one issue and just dominate it and use that as a way to stand out? I, I, would, I would suggest that, I would say that a little differently, which is that I think they would be wise to establish their credibility on one issue at a time. Okay. Um, you know, I, th I think that somebody who comes in and tries to do, you know, three big rallies a day yeah, for yeah. three days and, and impress people with the size of the crowd. Mm, Elizabeth to me, Warren. To my way of thinking, essentially meaningless. But if that same candidate, and I'm not picking on Elizabeth Warren, that same candidate 
comes into Iowa and does three days on health care. And by the time they leave, activists have a sense through social media, through communication of what that candidate's position is. I think that is helpful if they mm -hmm. approach mm -hmm. it that way. Uh, how, do you, how do you advise these folks when you have such a large field? Um, I think, again, as Jerry said, uh, they've got to, they have to establish some credibility uh, on, issue, on the issues that are important to Iowans. Uh, a strong economic message, uh, an, a message uh, about health care, a message about education. We always want to hear what the thoughts are on, on education. Um, and, and that really hasn't been done yet, but uh, we have time. Again, uh, this huge list that Jerry is, uh, has compiled for us, um, you know, some of these folks uh, six months from now won't be on the list anymore, and it'll start, uh, it'll start taking a, different, a totally different uh, frame. Right now, we're having the staff primary. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that primary will be over by, certainly by March. Because the top staff will be gone. Exactly. Uh -huh. And some people are already doing really well and some people not, not so well. After the staff primary, we're going to have the financial primary because you've got to have enough gasoline in the engine to conduct a full-fledged effort. And by the way, out of the Wall Street Journal says 31 names of people actively considering it, over 20 of them aren't going to be able to raise sufficient resources. Right. So that'll thin this thing mm -hmm. out. Absolutely. All right, if you all will stand, hold still for one second here, we want to talk about the, the trade war. Obviously, it's made a lot of people nervous here, particularly in our state. It's closed off some markets for some of our Iowa producers. But up next, see where we saw how it's at least short-term benefiting some Iowans. President Trump's trade war with China and other countries has at least temporarily cost some Iowa producers. That includes hog producers who had hoped to export to China. That trade war, though, has brought an unexpected benefit, one that a recipient calls bittersweet. The Food Bank of Iowa just celebrated a $25,000 donation from the Iowa pork producers. Food Bank also already received two semis full of pork this month since producers weren't able to ship them overseas to China and elsewhere. So this $25,000 check will help transport and store the new pork. Food Bank of Iowa spokesman Danny Eckright called it, quote, unusual to get all of this fresh pork. But that's sort of the bittersweet benefit of the trade war. Of course, their hope is that this trade war ends and the market is more stable for these pork producers. All right, new benches in Iowa City, a new proposal for the bottle bill, plus some advice for the Democratic minority. Our insiders are back for the quick six. Time for the insiders quick six. Question one, Republicans like the governor, the House Speaker, they've all said they're not going to touch the state worker retirement system this session. Should Democrats quit talking about it and alleging that they are going to change it? Um, yes. Okay. Yes. Question two, this bottle bill, <laughs> Lieutenant Governor, you know this well. This latest proposal, it kind of recycles an old plan here. Let grocery stores, convenience stores get out of this. They don't have to collect the used bottles and cans anymore. Let redemption centers keep two cents of that nickel deposit instead of a penny. Do you see Republicans actually moving forward on this this session? Uh, I don't think they'll have the support to, to move forward, but uh, this is an old one. I, I foremanaged a bill on this when I was in the Senate in the early 90s. I think what we have works just fine. Uh, Iowa City Council is spending $10,000 to replace 14 benches that had armrests in the middle, and critics say that unfairly prevented the homeless from sleeping in them. Is this a good call and a good use of taxpayer money to replace these new benches? Yes. I haven't heard 
many people raise concern about it. All right. Uh, as you know, your party's in the minority in both legislative chambers. What's your advice for the way they should handle this session, big picture? Uh, I think uh, we've got two strong leaders, Janet Peterson and Todd Pritchard. Um, I think they have got good staffs. They have uh, many new uh, freshman uh, legislators that uh, uh, can certainly uh, get the Democratic message out. I agree with what Patty said about the new members. Uh, we have a deeper bench, particularly mm -hmm. with suburban women. I think we should uh, promote them every way possible. All right, question five, tough one. Your top two, as we sit here today, your top two Democratic 2020 presidential caucus contenders are? Oh, no, Dave, I'm not going there. Not going there. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. What do you got, Jerry? <laughs> Will you take the bait or not? Um, if, I had, if I had to pick two, not in terms of who I'm for necessarily, sure. but just who has kind of an early edge, a live round, I wouldn't pick anyone from Tier 1. In fact, that was going to be my prediction. Thanks a lot for Sorry. asking this. Um, I'd probably pick uh, Cory Booker and Kamala Harris. All right. What do you have for a prediction? Uh, I predict that um, uh, in the 2020 election that Joni Ernst will be a one-term senator, but uh, that decision uh, by the voters will not, uh, is not from her personal life, but from her record of, achie of achievement. Okay. Good, good prediction. Um, so I've already said I think that no one from the frontier of Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Beto O'Rourke, or Elizabeth Warren despite Warren hiring a terrific staff. Yes, she did. Uh, will be the nominee, but since you already sort of spoiled that prediction, Sorry. I'll go to a second prediction, which is that the new book, Caucus Chaos Trump, <laughs> out February 3rd by somebody here locally, uh, will be a bestseller. Thank you, we'll talk about that on next week's show, by the way. Thanks for the plug, though. Thanks to both of you, appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Let's stay connected throughout the week, and we'll see you next Sunday.